The following is a production of Shark Flight Media. Now entering the nexus of geekery and guy world in three, two, one, mark. Do you know what the secret of life is? One thing, just one thing. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Is the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Hey, kids, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. I am your host, Ian J. Malone, joined as always by my good friends Rob Howe, Kevin Steverson, shortly anyway, and Rob has the night off, so it'll just be me and Kev. Before we do, though, I want to say some shout-outs to some folks. We'll start first with the Believe Podcast Network, of whom we are affiliated. Doesn't matter what you're into for podcasts, folks. Go check them out. If you're into sports content, conspiracy content, mysteries, uh, talk show formats, variety shows, pop culture, they've got it all over there at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Available on nearly all podcasting platforms, wherever such programming is consumed. Also want to say thanks, as always, to our presenting sponsor, without whom none of this is possible. And that, of course, would be Chris Kennedy Publishing. Doesn't matter what you're into for books either, folks. Military, sci-fi, space opera, paranormal romance, urban fantasy, even stuff about the craft. If you fancy yourself a writer, go check them out at chriskennedypublishing.com. They have got everything for you. You can uh, check out their series, check out their books, check out their writers. Uh, also, sign up for the mailing list while you're there. Get yourself a free ebook sent straight to your email. Good things happen, folks, when you go to chriskennedypublishing.com. Why? Because Chris Kennedy Publishing is message-free sci-fi with a slice, a very big growing slice, if you believe the new mythology, folks, of fantasy. So, Kevin, Kevin Steverson, sir, how are we doing this evening? Doing great. Uh, Getting along pretty good. Uh, Doctor gave me a clean bill of health, my appointment yesterday, so I'm uh, everything's uh, everything's progressing. So awesome! So yeah, for for folks who didn't pan along on social media, Kevin had a little road bump in the uh, in 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 the way of health stuff there for a little while. Had to go get himself checked out. So uh, definitely glad that he is back on the men doing well, and we can hard time him about Georgia football. Go ahead. Why are you going to hard time me? Let's go dogs. <laughs> go dogs. Uh, I couldn't help that there. Um, you can't give me a hard time about the national champions. I don't know what you. You know, I, I will not, sir. In, you in honor of the occasion, about my Braves, I put but, it. Uh, wait, never mind. They, they won two. Listen, you could probably you could probably say something about Matt Stafford. At, no, wait, no, they won two. Huh. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to talk about. Hey, man, you just remember that when you were uh, when you were on the, the, the inactive list, I, I said it on the T for you whenever you came back. That's what friends are for. <laughs> so, uh, well, we've got a great show lined up for you guys tonight. Uh, speaking of football, we've got a great guest on tap to talk a little bit of spring football. Been a lot of news on that front lately, whether it's the USFL, whether the XFL, uh, just a lot of stuff happening there. So uh, we're going to get to him here in just a few minutes. But before we do, I'd like to kick things off with the news and now the news so the news is kind of that segment where we just kind of take a minute to bring uh listeners up to speed on what we're doing with our various writing projects right so everybody knows by now kevin's a writer i'm a writer rob's a writer we write things words we put them on pages bring them to you you like them are you not entertained uh kev what you got going on for the uh the writing fronts also we got some events coming up that i know you and i both are going to be at so i'll give you the mic first man what's what's happening in the world of steverson writing well uh the book kevin eichemere and, and, and i wrote the third in our uh, peacemaker series with jaron larth uh redacted weapon comes out the 25th so that's this month and in the salvage title universe we just had a book come out by melissa oltoff sunrise over shippo and it is a great book it's the first in her trilogy and she's 
she's already about you know a quarter of the way through her second book in that series, and that just came out last week. So. Awesome, yeah. For uh, fans of Sunrise Over Shippo, or if you've kind of been on the fence about whether or not you want to check that one out, uh, be sure you check out uh, one of the latest episodes of CKP Confidential over on the CKP Patreon page. Melissa gave us a really great reading from that one, so you get a chance to kind of dip your toe into the water and see if it's right for you. Pretty sure it will be. It's, it was really really fun to do that with her. But uh, but what else is going on, Kev? Outside of salvage stuff. Ah, uh, not much. Uh, just you know, continuing to write. Gonna gonna get really cranking on the third book in my fantasy. So uh, to get that out there, and uh, and and we're doing well. CKPI, which you know, I helped put out some of those books in the foreign languages for Chris Kennedy Publishing. Um, we've got ten now over in Germany, and nice. uh, we've got a lot more lined up. So that's going well. Nice. I I think that's outstanding. <laughs> but I knew that, and I know Schweinhund. Like I know that's a, that's a bad one. That's that's my only contribution. That's my only knowledge of German. Uh, in my neck of the world, work continues on the last Argonaut. Uh, Kevin and I were actually rapping a little bit of, about that off air, and um, really coming along great, guys. This is a story that it it's just there are those moments you. As writers, we sit down and we have a decent idea what we're about to do, right? All right. In my case, I know how it's going to start. I know how it's going to end. And I typically know a few of the bigger events in between. And then writing is to kind of link all of those things together and give you a nice 70 to 100,000 word story, right? There are some stories that along the way just really start to grow on you. And there's an emotion that goes with that and just a fun ride that you feel the fire start to stoke under you to make it what you think it could be. And then from there, the challenge is on, right? Like it's, it's like fine tuning a, a, an instrument. You're, you're bending the strings, you're tuning it up, you're tuning it down too sharp, too flat. You know, this bit of exposition is too long. That conversation is too short. The voice is not right on that character. We've got to throw some accent in there. Cadence is off. You know, these are the things that we play with as writers and it's such a joy when we can get into these stories and that happens uh, because we always enjoy writing, but there are some stories that just for whatever reason have a little bit of magic to them. And I'm not saying the last Argonaut's going to be like, you know, Hey, New York Times bestseller. Here we go, baby. Hope it is. Definitely hope it is. But um, just starting to get that as, as the guy responsible for bringing that story to you guys, it it's really starting to, to make me smile. And, and it is my hope that it does for you guys as well. Uh, other stuff that's happening, I am preparing for Fantasy later on this month. So uh, definitely getting in, in link for that. That's in Raleigh-Durham, March 25th through 27th, I believe it is. I got to go back and check my calendar, but I think that's it. That that Friday through Sunday in, uh, in Raleigh-Durham. And all your usual customers are going to be there from CKP. A bunch of the Bane folks are going to be there as well. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, we will also check in with Rob Howe the next time he comes around. Lots of stuff happening around New Mythology Press. Uh, I know Eldros is, is rocking and rolling as it always is. Um, I mean, it's just a lot of things happening there, guys. If you're into fantasy, phew, New Mythology is where it's at. Go check it out. Well, folks, you know, one of the topics we've talked about a lot here on the podcast of late is this whole notion of spring football. It's been in the news a lot lately, whether it's stuff going on with the XFL, and we've actually had news break on that since uh, the last time we recorded, or whether it's the USFL. And the latter kind of strikes a little closer to home for some of us down south. I'm about four hours from Birmingham, give or take, five hours from Tampa. I know Kev's not far from a couple of these franchises. So a lot of vested interests and um, whatnot down here from, from folks, particularly in the college ranks, who are kind of interested to see if maybe some of their favorite college players could find a find a home and, and be able to play some professional football. It uh, doesn't change the fact that spring football, 
It's had its trials over the years, but uh, this incarnation seems to be maybe a little bit different with the USFL. So we thought we'd go out and find ourselves an expert, somebody who's very versed in this type of thing to come in and kind of wrap all things with us. He is none other than the host of the NFL Draft Prospects Podcast, another show here on the Believe Podcast Network, and also the FCS Football Podcast. And that would, of course, be Joe DeLeon. Joe, welcome to the Dudes in Hyperspace, man. How you doing this evening? Doing pretty good, covering the the combine right now. So multitasking, got it up in the in the background while we're chatting today. But excited to talk about uh, alternate leagues. I, I feel like there's not enough coverage going on for some of these these pop up leagues that are coming around now. It's coming around. You know, I I follow the podcasting world just to see who's who's trying to generate content. And there have been a couple that have popped up uh, with the USFL, the XFL, and I still am one of those weirdos that for whatever freakish reason follows arena football. And uh, there's one <laughs> one out there that I, I follow in particular that actually does a really nice job. So the content's out there. You got to you got to dig for it. But um, real quick before we get on the subject of spring football, and because you you started this started us down this road, the combine, and you also covered the Senior Bowl. I don't want to delve off on this because it's not the topic of this interview. But real quick, any anybody catch your eye? Any prospects kind of kind of raise the eyebrow a bit there that you're going to watch going into April? Yeah, the well, going into April, I, I really want to see guys like Christian Watson from from North Dakota State and you know how he's going to test. Um, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin is another guy that linebacker that's going to be a really, really good athlete that I think is is going to put up some pretty crazy numbers. Uh, and then Troy Anderson, Montana State, another linebacker that I'm, I'm really excited to see. But so far today, we've had the tight ends and there's, there's one guy uh, in particular that's caught my attention, Jelani uh, Jelani Woods from uh, Virginia, who's a tight end, six seven. He ran like low four sixes. He had a really good jump. He looked really good in the drills. So he's somebody who already we're only like two hours in, and he caught my attention a bit. Mm, yeah, going to be interesting to see if you see what prospects look like coming out of Virginia uh, here in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, Tony Elliott is the new head coach over there, guy who made the the offense at Clemson home these last four or five years. So I know over there in uh, in Virginia, they're they're looking forward to some exciting times, hopefully with, with him and some more fireworks on the offensive side of the ball. But we are here to talk about spring football and namely the USFL. And uh, I will admit, folks, this interview has taken a little bit of a, of a turn than we had originally anticipated when we booked this one because the USFL is getting sued right now. Uh, in case you haven't followed the news, the original owners of the USFL from back in the 80s have uh, have filed suit against Fox Sports and, and the folks that own this new iteration of the league, uh, seeking an injunction to keep them from using the name and the team names and logos. So that will be ironed out March 16th in court, or at least a preliminary hearing will be, and we'll find out where it goes from there. Fox Sports got deep pockets. I would wager they'll probably pay a nice, healthy sum and roll on with their league. But we digress. We, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't point that out that that is kind of looming out there and keeping an eye on. But it does kind of pivot us with the direction that I wanted to take in this conversation with you, Joe. Spring football, this has been around for a long time, man. Whether it's the World Leagues, whether it's the early USFL, whether it was XFL 1.0 back in the early 2000s, you know, XFL 2020, which I think had a, a real fighter's chance. And now the USFL, I think fans of football are excited to see football any time of year. So this time is, is obviously awesome. But we've seen this before. We've heard this before. So you follow this stuff, man. What about this version of the USFL has your attention? Is there anything about this that stands out as being different that would give fans a reason to get excited about spring football? Well, I think the the big thing that's going to help this league is not only the partnership that they have with Fox Sports, but the uh, the aggressive impact that Fox Sports is already having with their coverage. 
with the AAF, I mean, they were partnered with CBS, but it didn't really feel like they were really getting a lot of attention. And the, the, the XFL, the first time, did have that coverage from ESPN and from Fox Sports. But I think that the level that they've gone where you've got um, appearances on the herd where he is revealing team names and information, like that's big. It's a very watch, highly watched show. It's a show that I tune into uh, quite frequently, frequently out here in Los Angeles. And you also have the the efforts to push and draw more attention by Fox Sports. I think that what is going to hinder any of these other spring leagues, if we have more down the line, is not having that big hands-on media partner. And Fox Sports right now, I think, is doing a really good job of it. You got Doug Flutie, who's who's kind of leading things um, with this with this uh, with this relaunch of the USFL, and he was an original player, I believe, in it. But you, you know, we're we're getting a lot more attention, I think, and uh, it, it'll be nice to see how they compare with the XFL, who I think is going to do just as good of a job with coverage. But that Fox Sports support is is really good to see uh, early on. Yeah, I I wholly agree with all of those points. I'm glad that you mentioned the XFL. And before I go any further, Kev Steverson, sir, I have to doff the cap to you. I may have to start calling you the new Swami, sir, because when The Rock came out, when The Rock came out at the Super Bowl to do intros, I got a Facebook message from uh, from my man Steverson here saying, wow, doesn't The Rock own a rival league and he's out doing intros from the Super Bowl? Maybe something going on between the XFL and the NFL? Maybe? Something something happened there? Ah, come on, Kev. What are you talking about? He's just a superstar. And then a week <laughs> later, they roll out the announcement that the XFL has partnered to, quote unquote, drive innovation in the game of football with the National Football League. Now, they're going to be starting in 2023, Joe. What is that partnership with the with the XFL and the NFL, having that defined firm alliance that the XFL is now working hand-in-hand with the, the biggest, baddest gorilla on the block in the NFL? What does that mean for the USFL? I mean, is that a, is that a challenge? What are we looking at there? I, I think it certainly is a challenge. And that, I think, is ultimately what the goal of these spring leagues were, was to create an entertaining product and then hope that you get some level of assistance or partnership with the NFL. That is what is going to help any of these spring leagues stay around for an extended period of time. And if anyone knows anything about the lore of the original USFL, what killed them is trying to go head-to-head and fight the NFL. Yep. And Donald Trump notoriously was the man who led that. Don't need to get into to, to the whole backstory of all that stuff and the the one dollar valuation of the league and all, all that fun, uh, the fun stories that go behind that. But that fight against the NFL killed them, and now they're kind of doing the same thing indirectly because they have to compete with the XFL when they start in 2023. Ultimately, I think what would keep the USFL alive is if they found a way to joint partner with the NFL and the XFL, and they just merged into one league because you can't have two spring leagues. Agreed. You can't pull from the same pool of players. There's only so many mid-tier players that aren't on NFL rosters that you can pull from. They're going to be stealing players from each other, and it is going to get competitive at some point. There are is going to be a lot of butting heads. There's going to be um, a lot of back and forth between these two leagues. So the fact that the XFL has that partnership, it gives them the edge. It gives them that that um, that already head start in competition for uh, for these two leagues, even though that the USFL is going to start a year earlier. Right. I'm glad you, you kind of touched upon that with the whole idea of a possible merger. 
I personally think that is the way to go. Uh, and, and I would very much like to see that happen. You know, maybe one of these Tampa franchises, for instance, rolls up the road and stakes out in Jacksonville where they want football year round. It's a great market for that. Um, but I think another option or another, another thing, another perk that that really pops open for fans is some of these cities that just crave football and will never get an NFL franchise. This spring league, you know, if you merge these two leagues, would, would create the opportunity to do that. And the perfect example of that is the city of St. Louis. So our co-host Rob Howell, who's normally on this show, is about an hour, hour and a half, give or take from there. He was a season ticket holder for the Battlehawks. That town was ready to support football, and they came out in droves to support that team. So I think a potential merger with the USFL and the XFL could really open some opportunities for a lot of cities like that, not just St. Louis, and then everybody wins. So um, let me ask you this. What is a a vibrant spring football league? Or Actually, before we get to that, while we're still on the XFL, one of the things they were known for was was really – driving innovation, right? And the kickoff procedure for them was was first and foremost that the biggest one that they did. Has the USFL got any plans to do anything different like that with the rules, whether it's kickoffs, whether it's safety, whether it's formations? Are they going to do anything different to kind of spice things up? I, I haven't necessarily seen anything in particular. I, I think that the USFL is the more vanilla of the startup leagues. The XFL definitely was pioneering with being very, very different in these approaches um, we, you know, we talk about the scoring was different. There were a lot of different, um, implement, implementations and changes to the rules, but like, I, I just don't, I nothing off the top of my head. That's, that's really stuck out to me that the USFL is doing differently. Gotcha. Well, all right. They just held their draft and this is kind of getting into your wheelhouse, man. You're an evaluator. You're an, anal- uh, an analyst of talent. So talk to me about what you saw in this uh, in this first draft. There were a few names in there that I think we all recognize, particularly those of us who follow college football. Shea Patterson, Alex Magoo, um, you know, Paxton Lynch, obviously, for better or for worse, is going to be out there. Uh, did anything happen in that draft that caught your eye? Uh, maybe any potential superstars in that pack that you saw? Yeah, I think that one one thing that was kind of funny to see is that the uh, Paxton Lynch, who was previously a, a first round pick, ends up being a twelfth round pick in the USFL, and that that kind of <laughs> ended up being the butt of the joke with the with this draft, and it kind of drew some attention. And that was the one f- comical thing that came from this. But I, I still believe that there are some talented prospects that are are going to be participating in this league. Like Shea Patterson, who was originally supposed to be a first-round pick, ends up... I, have, he, I think he was undrafted in, in his year's draft class, um, but still has some traits, and he's somebody that I, I'm curious to see how he's going to perform. The, it, things are a bit thin at some of these other positions, but there's a lot of recognizable names at quarterback. Patterson being the first overall pick. Remember Jordan Te'amu, who was... Uh, an XFL standout. He was the second overall pick. Kyle Laletta, former Richmond quarterback, who was supposed to be uh, the next Jimmy Garoppolo, and that didn't really turn out. It turns out he was a little bit, a little bit uh, immature, and he ends up getting drafted in that first round. And then somebody else who I think is a bit underrated and a former FCS guy, somebody that I've I've actually spent some time around is, is Monmouth quarterback Kenji Bahar. He was drafted into the league in the second wave of quarterbacks that was selected. And I think he's a great athlete. I think he's got some traits, and he could end up being a nice uh, a nice competitive player in this league and compete for a starting spot. 
Awesome. Yeah, a uh, quick shout out to Dick Butkus, who is my new favorite follow on Twitter. My man says, and I quote, isn't it awesome that the USFL is back? Now Tim Tebow has another chance. <laughs> so, anyway, folks, if you're not following Dick Butkus on Twitter, uh, you're welcome. This is a great follow. So, all right. Well, speaking of players, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to happen, but obviously everybody wants to talk about Antonio Bryant uh, being a guy that would be perfectly suited for the USFL and especially the XFL. There are other outlier players out there that I don't think anybody doubts the talent uh, for whatever reason that, that just couldn't pan out in the league. And thus, these new spring football leagues could be a possible landing space for them to go kind of you know, resurrect their careers, but also it adds some much needed star power to the spring leagues beyond Antonio Brown. Who are some of the players that could be floating around out there that, you know, hypothetically right place, right time could end up landing in this. Uh, you think Antonio Brown for one, I, I, he just seems like to me, somebody who's got too much of an ego to, to, to take that chance. But honestly, I think that the big one for me, and it's disappointing that he wasn't in the, um, in the draft is like, I don't know how you haven't kicked tires on Johnny Manziel. He participated in the AF. He, yeah. he also was in the fan controlled football league, which was kind of a joke, but still was entertainment nonetheless. Like, I don't know how he wasn't reached out to. He's just fun to watch. And maybe there were some of these teams that were trying to avoid that, but the XFL, I think should reach out to him. He, he's probably the big one for me that is currently a, not on a, a roster that is worth kicking the tires. Like somebody else like Martavis Bryant is somebody as well who I don't believe he's on a roster and we remember how talented he was. Like this is a perfect time for him to just go out there and, and dominate against a bunch of guys that would probably be on practice squads or be backups on NFL rosters and then re-resurrect maybe some of that hype. I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of shape he's currently in, but I, like, I think Martavius Bryant would be be a big one that at some point you could reach out to. The thing that just gets tough with these leagues is not having the money to pay for some of these big stars. And you kind of just hope that the storylines build uh, like with a PJ Walker and, and sure. they get some name recognition and they get signed, but it's just, these guys have such an ego that even if it's an opportunity to prove themselves, they're still going to ask for a few million dollars. And that's just not enough. I think uh, that, that this, these leagues don't have enough to pay those types of salaries. Right. Well, you know, but that does beg another another question. There are always going to be players that are just they're never going to make it to the NFL, whether they know that heading into college or not. Uh, that's the way that it pans out. They're the quote unquote college players. Nice college player. Such and such was a nice college player, but, you know, he's never going to be a pro. Tim Tebow, case in point. What does a, a, a league like this mean? If, if this can truly get rolling, whether it's the USFL, whether the XFL, whether they merge to, to make up a, a spring super league, what does this mean for those types of players? Whether it's of the, the FCS ilk or just the guys in college who couldn't get traction in the league, what does it mean to them to be able to have this as an option now? You're going to make 80 grand if you want to play football and then vice versa. And this is kind of a two-part question. What does it mean for the high school kids? You know, you got a kid coming out of nothing in Nowheresville, Alabama, and he's got a choice. He can go be a, you know, a backup at Auburn and hope maybe he can sign an NIL deal to get, you know, 500 bucks a semester and walk around money. Or he can go ahead and go straight into the spring leagues, and make 80 grand a year. He doesn't know that kind of money. So what kind of opportunities does, does a, a functional, successful, buoyant spring league create for those two sets of players? Yeah, for the first set, I, this is such a great league for the small school guys and then maybe some guys that just were buried on big rosters and didn't get the chance to play and didn't really get uh, a, a chance to shine 
in the uh, in the preseason when they were competing to make an NFL roster, those guys that have the traits but aren't fully developed and could turn into not necessarily potential stars, but you're going to get a lot of guys that turn into starters on a lot of rosters, guys that making squads as contributors. And that's what you're going to get from this league. Developmental backup players that are going to fit nicely into the NFL, which is big reason why that connection that the XFL established um, was so huge is to, to make this into a funnel for good depth for when you're dealing with injuries and, and when you want to have some of these younger guys. I think, though, that when we get into the the group of, of high school players, had it been like three, four years ago, I think we would have had a lot of kids if there's no ceiling for how old they have to be or how many years of eligibility they had to have used in college for them to enter these leagues, I think we would have had a bunch of kids take advantage of that. Kind of like with the with the G League in the NBA where they have that one squad that only competes with young players. But now that we have NIL, I think that that takes a lot of it off the table because the best players that are going to be good enough to compete in the USFL or the XFL are going to be the ones that are getting the most money to go and play at Alabama and Old Miss and USC. That's going to be way more than $80,000. It's probably it's probably not going to be anyone that's that's and anyone that's making around 80,000 in NIL money is not going to be developed enough to play in a league like this. They're just going to be way far behind developmentally to compete with a guy that's going to be 25, 26, 27 sure. that's just trying to earn that opportunity. So I think that the high schoolers, they missed out on that chance to maybe get some superstars, uh, some top overall recruits. But uh, I think definitely the big beneficiaries are these FCS guys, these small schoolers that just get bounced around because they're not coming from a big university. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm going to hold my judgment call on on that part as it pertains to NIL only because I think anybody who knows anything about college football knows the current model is just not sustainable. I mean, whether it's the early signing period and how that just completely screws a program who's got to hire a new coach, whether it's NIL, whether it's the complete Wild West that is the transfer portal right now, they can't sustain college football with what's going on right now, they are going to have to implement some sort of change, whether that's, you know, a czar in the form of some sort of commissioner who can just, you know, unilaterally act on the part of the conferences for the good of the sports, so to speak, or what, but that's going to have to change. And I think that if I'm working for the USFL, XFL, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on what those changes are and what they look like, because that could severely impact what I'm able to bring in on my roster. But uh, I do have one last question for you as it pertains to the spring stuff, and I'm going to get to that here in just a second. But before we get into that, it's clear by now, man, you are an analyst. That's what you do. You've got a couple of podcasts. You're heavily involved in the world of football, whether it's professional college, uh, you know, you're, you're involved in a lot of stuff with the draft. Let's talk about your shows real quick, man. Let's kind of pub yourself. We'll go ahead and start with the NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I would expect that's one a lot of fans of this show are going to enjoy because we're right around the corner from draft time. So tell me a little bit about your shows, man. Yeah. So the NFL Draft Prospects podcast, uh, a very unique approach in going after uh prospects that are entering the league and, and doing interviews with them. My co-host, Ryan Roberts, who is a great NFL draft analyst at Rise and Draft on Twitter for anyone who wants to check him out. He's got a um, really, really good uh, following on social media, but he's also really, really keen eye for, for watching some of these players. But he does a really good job of tracking down these prospects and getting them on the show. We've 
We've had some really interesting names so far, like Verone McKinley hopped on, Trevor Penning hopped on so far this cycle. In the past, we've had guys like J.C. Horn and Carson Strong. So we, we've had some really, really nice prospects that have come on. So if you're interested in interviews, we do a ton of that kind of stuff. And then the the FCS football podcast was the first show that I ever started doing when I was still playing. I was a junior in college. Uh, I was playing at the University of Rhode Island and believe had just started. And I reached out to the, the owner of the company, Braun, who's now my boss because I'm at work full time as a producer. And I, you know, I just pitched to him. I said, like, hey, look, I want to work in radio. I want to be a host. Um, get me a show. I want to be on a show. And, and we, me and my roommate started the Believe in FCS football podcast. We've been doing it ever since. Have had some really fun, unique experiences and built up that fan base because, like, we, we've got people that invite us to come out to games and stuff, which is really, really cool. But uh, both shows, love doing both of them. If you just love football, definitely check them out. Awesome. How awesome is that for you, though, to be able to really bring that content to folks? FCS, not a ton of coverage on that, not a huge moneymaker, but fans of it because it's college sports, man. And, and all of us who went to college, you you know this. We love our schools. We love our alma maters. We love to support our programs. How awesome is that? You know, and, and speak to that for just a second about what that means to have come from that world as an FCS player and to now be one of the guys on on kind of the front line of putting a face on what, you know, smaller time college football looks like for the world. Yeah. And you know, being able to cover FCS football is, has been just such a unique experience because I've been able to, to shine a light on, on some of these prospects and guys that are going to play in the NFL, some of these really talented players that do some really crazy things like you got a guy like Eric Berrier who's thrown seven eight touchdowns and 700 yards in a game at Eastern Washington and then also just to get to to show people what these fan bases are like it's so unique going to a, a football game at South Dakota State and meeting those fans and tailgating with them that, that is the goal that we have with this show is going from players to now being observers of the sport and and not only exposing the outside world to this is what these smaller communities are like when they rally around their football teams, but also what these these programs and these fans of these programs just want to hear about their teams talked about. And, and naturally, the media coverage just doesn't give them that opportunity. So it's really cool getting the chance to do that. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely have to go check that out. That's the fun of college, man. We all love our schools and we all love our programs. And uh, when we can all celebrate that together, that's one of the joys of college sports. So I, I feel that all the way. All righty. Before I let you go, man, I do want to take it back to spring football with just kind of a fun question. And that is you, Joe DeLeon, just became the commissioner, the grand poobah, as it were, of the big mega spring football league, USFL, XFL, call it whatever you want. Give me three things that you're going to do right out of the game to position that league for success? I think that the number one thing, and it, it, all three things should stem from media coverage. I want inside access. I want to get as many cameras in those locker rooms as possible. I want to follow the stars. I, 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 it should almost, if any of these leagues want to succeed, they need to find the guys with the most unique backgrounds. They need to almost treat it like some of these players, like it's a vlog. You need to track them, follow them, See the guy that's that's waking up before everybody else that's showing up in the facility, almost like hard knocks. We need more of that kind of coverage because connecting with these personalities and these players is what is going to connect people to this league and these leagues. Instead of it just being um, another football product that's out there on the field, I want people to almost feel like it's a reality TV show. And we got a little bit of that with the original, original XFL, where 
it was supposed to be like WWE, but it didn't uh, yeah. really work because football's <laughs> it's not really like WWE and you can't really hype guys up to do that kind of stuff. But the original USFL, we didn't have that media coverage. But uh, if anyone wants a good read, by the way, Football for a Buck is one of my favorite books. And it kind of uh, why I ended up coming on to appear to talk about this stuff. I told Ian, I told you that I'm pretty well read on the on the former league, but there are some crazy stories of what these guys did in that original league, like practicing at high school stadiums because they didn't have facilities. You have these owners that are are, are trying to cut corners on, on budgets. You've got guys that after practice, they're all going back to one mansion uh, because one, like, I think it was Jim Kelly who who had a, a, had a mansion because he had like the biggest salary on the roster and nobody else was making anywhere close to him. And everybody was, it was like a frat house that everyone was coming back to. <laughs> showing up to practice drunk. I'm not saying you need that with these spring leagues, but go deep in and follow these guys and make it like a reality show if you can because that is what people want. They want to feel a connection to the league instead of just watching football. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All righty, man. Well, Kev, before I let our guest go, you got any questions for Joe? I do, and this it's is going to be off the off the wall. I looked at all the uniforms for the USFL, and why is like – 75% of them red. Why? Are there no other colors out there? Philadelphia, Tampa, Birmingham, everybody's uniform's red. Everybody's jersey's red. I don't know that's a really that. that's a really good point. What is the uh, there are um, I just pulled it up because I, I that it just occurred to me too. There's two teams that don't have red in them. I that is kind of that's kind of lame that they didn't they weren't a little bit more creative with <laughs> with designing these uniforms. But I mean I guess they were pulling from from the original rosters and teams was the idea. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just want to see a little something different. I want somebody's away Jersey to be dang bright neon yellow. Okay. Not white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, you know what I'm saying? Like those old Pro Bowl uh, uniforms they did. Right. Just oh, go, yes. go to Oregon. Just take notes from yes. the Oregon ducks and you can yes. go crazy. I mean, Put I, that into I, the I, ether. I mean, yep. my bulldogs are red and my Falcons red. Okay. I understand that. I just, you know, it's a new league. Let's do something here. Give me, let's get a pink team. <laughs> the pink man. and purple Panthers. All right, cool. Oh, All righty. Well, Joe DeLeon, thanks for coming on board the Dudes and po- uh, Dudes and Hyperspace podcast, man. We really appreciate it. Folks, go check them out. NFL Draft Pros- uh, Prospects podcast. Also, the FCS football podcast. He is the co-host and purveyor of both of those. Joe, any uh, anything else folks should know about you, where they can find you on the web, where they can find you on social media? Now's your time to plug yourself, man. Go for it. Yeah, I'm very easy to find on social Social media, just at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. Uh, good football coverage. Love talk draft, FCS, whatever it is. Give me a follow. Very much appreciate it. Uh, guys, thank you, though, for having me on. This was fun. I, I've been doing so many combine interviews, and to get to talk about something fun and unique like the USFL was a great time. Hey, man, we'll have you back anytime, so don't be a stranger. But thanks to it. We'll talk to you soon. And that's going to bring us down to our halftime segment where we kind of give some love to our presenting sponsor of Chris Kennedy Publishing via this week's new release, which comes to us in the form of a brand new book from our good friend Mike Jack Stumbos. Uh, This is Seed in the Sky. This fine crew book three. 
Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, looking forward to this. Reviews on this series have been fantastic so far. Uh, I do know there has been a deal floating about for book one, so definitely make sure you go check that out. Those are typically limited time. Uh, Not sure if that's still going to be going on by the time this drops, but uh, but go check it out. But yeah, Seed in the Sky, brand new book from Mike Jack Stumbos, and uh, that is book three of this Fine Crew series. Also the conclusion of this trilogy. So if you're one who likes to wait for a trilogy to drop before you start a new one, well, there you have it. Book three is now out and in the wild. Speaking of, Kevin, what is Seed in the Sky about? Well, the new interstellar initiative didn't have an easy start. Tensions between species complicated even the simplest tasks, not to mention the, the perils created by an unstable, extra-dimensional entity named Wallace. Then, just as the Alliance began to figure out how to work together effectively, humanity's first interstellar sin came back to haunt them. What first appears to be an extra star in Earth's night sky is something else, and it's ready to rain destruction on the planet if the Initiative doesn't figure out how to communicate or counter it. The best hope of saving humanity may once again rest in the hands of four cadets and the Starship Endeavor. Nice. Well, lots of stuff happening in CKP outside of Stumbos' new book, and we'll start with audio. Got a brand new book from the Fallen World series. So for those of you folks who like the post-apocalyptic thing with a little spice of cyberpunk and all kinds of stuff, that's a fun freaking series. Love that from Chris uh, Chris Woods. Speaking of, it's his brother who's actually got the new audio release this week. This is Relations by Briscoe Woods, and this is book 10 of this Fallen World series. Uh, again, if I'm not mistaken, narrated by Mark Boyette, who does a fantastic job. So audiophiles, unite around that one. Again, that is Relations by Briscoe Woods, book 10 in the Fallen World universe. And then finally, in CKP News, launch team readers are needed for Demon's Kiss by Larry Hoy. This is the latest book in the Hit World series, and it's actually going to start a brand new subseries called the Sweetwater Chronicles. So I'm uh, actually really looking forward to checking that one out myself. Uh, Larry Hoy was one of the guests at Pensacon with Nick Steverson and I a couple of weeks ago in Pensacola. So I had a chance to spend some time with him around the con. Great guy and fantastic writer. So lots of great things happening around Hit World uh, to go check that out. But as always, folks, if you got questions about any of this, go check it out. It's chriskennedypublishing.com. You can buy the books or if you're interested in being a launch team reader, hit the contact page, shoot a message, and they will take great care of you. Again, that's chriskennedypublishing.com. You've got mail. All righty, time for our pod mail segment, which is where we hear what you, the listeners, have to say. And this one is brought to you by our good friends at the International Association of Science Fiction and Fantasy Authors. Big stuff happening from the IASFA folks right now. Huge space adventure bundle. All right, so space adventure is awesome stuff, guys. Like, this is where we find out. This is where we explore humanity's future in the stars, right? I mean, everything from Star Trek to you name it. Like, that's where it happens. So... You know, I asked was about bringing the reads to the peoples, man. And this one's almost a 20 book bundle for $7.99. My book Mako is actually in this bundle. So if you've been wanting to, to check that one out amidst some other new titles, go find it. So all of this is available at uh, IASFA.org. Again, that's IASFA.org. Uh, I'm also got it uh, on my social media stuff. So just go find me at Ian J. Malone on Twitter or on Facebook and you can grab the links there. But again, that is the brand new space adventure bundle from the International Association of Science Fiction and fantasy authors available for most of the month of March, but not all, just a couple of weeks, limited time only. So make sure you go check that out. Okay. First question comes to us. Ah, one of our favorite people. Uh, First question comes to us from editor extraordinaire, Miss Maya Cleave, uh, who asks, have you guys had a chance to check out the new Reacher series on Amazon? If so, what are your thoughts? Uh, Kev, I've actually started this one a couple of nights ago. Have you had a chance to check this one out yet? 
I, I have, and you know, and I watch see some of the clips, uh, you know, on, on uh, YouTube when I'm doing music and that kind of thing. And I, curiosity always gets the best of me, so I played the little three and four and five minute clips from different episodes. Um, I really like the fact that they've got him the right size compared to the books. Yes. You know, he's not he's not a little guy. He's a big dude. Uh, you know, he's got some muscle to him. And, uh, you know, you need that if you're going to be whooping three and four guys at one time. Let's be honest. So, yeah, I could uh, not agree more. I, um, I I never saw the Tom Cruise films, but I know of these books. And all I heard for years was fans of the series were irate that a Micronian like Tom Cruise was cast as Jack Reacher. Like that just wasn't right with Jesus for these people. And <laughs> right. now having seen what he's supposed to be. Not just in size, but just how imposing he is to people, um, how he uses that size to really drive home his point with very bad people. I, I would have never been able to buy that from Tom Cruise, like not ever. So now I totally get the gripe. First, I thought, OK, well, that's superficial, guys. I mean, not trying to be a jerk, but, you know, short actors stand on boxes all the time to look taller. No, 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 no. Now now I get why he needed to be played by a big guy. Um, obviously, that means I have been watching the show, Maya. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. As a guy who grew up watching 80s action heroes like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and all those guys. I mean, big, beefy action stars, man. Like that was our jam in the 80s, right? And this really kind of harkens back yeah. to that era. But I like the fact that he's so observant, so smart. And I know for readers of the series, that's that's who he is. But for those of us who are just kind of being introduced to this guy via the small screen, it's been cool. I like the chemistry among the actors. I think the episodes run at a really tight pace. There's action there, but they actually give you some time to get to know the, the people who are involved in this story. It's not just all rapid fire, shoot them up, fast cars, guns, blah, 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 blah. There's plenty of time for that. But they do give you some time to marinate in the characters and figure out who everybody is and why they've got a vested stake in what's happening in the story that's being told. Um, so, yeah, I'm so far, man, I'm really enjoying this series. Like I'm four episodes in now, I think, and um, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. All right. Our next question comes to us from Paul. It's official, fellas. I'm completely bummed that Major League Baseball is not going to be back in time for opening day. I think it's a travesty that it got to this point, but it is what it is when there's that much money on the table. Uh, can anything could come of this lockout, in your opinion? And if so, what would that be for the game and for the fans? Um I'll be frankly honest with you, Paul. I think the only thing that good comes from a lockout is maybe tickets go on sale for the first month or two because they're dying to get people back. Uh, if this drags on too long, I mean, I can remember what happened in the 90s when they they struck. Uh, I mean, the reason why you have 40 seat ba- 40,000 seat baseball stadiums now instead of these 60 and 70,000 monsters is because nobody was coming back to the games and they were tired of showing half empty stadiums. So if that happens again here, yeah, tickets are going to go on sale. Concessions are going to go on sale because they're going to want people to get back to the back to the ball field, uh, particularly in your smaller market clubs like the Tampa Bay's of the world who have a hard time selling out anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to mean cheaper tickets. Uh, I also think there could be some innovations that come to the game. I hope that they don't go too terribly far overboard with those because I think what makes baseball baseball is the, the pace and the speed of the game. And I get it that they need to tighten some things up, uh, less time in between pitches, but don't go overboard with that. But I do think there are some changes that could come out of this that hopefully will make the game better. So those are kind of my two hopes for this unmitigated disaster that is the MLB lockout. Kev, you're a baseball fan, man. What's what's your thought on all this crap? It, it kills me when it, when the opening day doesn't happen on opening day. Yep. 
Um, yeah, I'm a traditionalist, and I and I want it. You know, I want I want to know when the pitchers and the and the catchers come together, and I want to know when. You know, what I mean, I I want all that to happen like it's supposed to happen, and it just it just bothers me when it doesn't. Um, you know, some of the stuff that's going to come out of this, who knows? You know, the whole designated hitter thing is is happening, and and that bothers me and always has because when I was a kid, I learned to hit, to throw, and to run. Okay, I didn't just learn to throw, and that was it. So you know, I think the pitchers need to bat. On all of it, but you know what are you going to do? That's 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 going the way of the dodo. Well, it would seem to be. All right, next question comes to us from Simon. This is a more upbeat question for you, man. Uh, I just finished reading Sunrise Over Shippo by Melissa Althoff and was absolutely blown away. Kaylee Jackson's story was simply amazing. What's the word on the rest of the trilogy, and when can we expect those books to arrive? Kev, you're the the man behind all things salvage. What's the word on that? <laughs> yeah, that is an outstanding book. Her, her story is incredible. She is already, uh, you know, a third of the way through her next book. Maybe quarter a little over a quarter away through her next book awesome. and she started that as soon as after she turned it in you know the story was there um it was happening and she was already writing so it's going to come sooner rather than later um you know obviously it has to fit into the schedule with ckp and you know chris kennedy decides when they need to come out and that kind of thing and he's got his handle on all that so um but it is going to happen sooner rather than later this is not something we're going to wait a whole nother year on or whatever uh, because she's already working on them so Awesome. All right. Next question comes to us from Dan. The Batman finally releases in theaters this weekend, and I've got to admit that I'm excited. Initially, I was not, but somewhere along the line, they got me. Are you guys looking forward to seeing this film? And if so, what are you hoping to see? Also, if you were tasked with writing a Batman story, what would you do? Uh, Kevin, I'll give you a lead on this one, man. You're going to go see the Batman at some point. If you don't see it in theaters, it's going to drop an HBO max in probably about six weeks. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to wait and watch it and stream it. Listen, how many times have we seen the Batman story? How many times have we seen his parents get murdered? He becomes the Batman. Yada, 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 yada. Oh my God. How many times have we seen that? Right. I, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. In, in their we'll defense, see. this is supposedly not an origin story. Like they have to okay. touch on that for right. 30 seconds to tell you why he's Batman for the three people on the face of the planet that don't already know. Jeez. But the actual story is set a year after he's been in Gotham being Batman. So this is kind of right. like the Batman year one type of stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, as far as, as yes, I will see it, whether or not I'm going to see it opening weekend or not. I don't know. Uh, it's just going to depend on scheduling for me this weekend. It's busy, busy time. Uh, but but I will see it. Uh, I like Matt Reeves as a director. We've we've actually talked about that on this show and, and what they're saying this film is and what he's been pitching it as all along is exactly how I would write a Batman story. Uh, you know, I think the whole world's greatest detective thing, that's kind of that's kind of untapped terrain on the film. It's been all about where does he get those wonderful toys or it's about Christian Bale you know, and, or it's bat nipples or it's whatever. We, we've never really delved into why he's so wicked smart at figuring things out. All right. It's not about the money and it's not about the toys. All those, those things help. He's just a wicked smart dude who knows how to the, assemble the pieces to puzzles that nobody else seemingly can. That is apparently why this film is two and a half hours freaking long was because it's a giant crime thriller with a superhero at the middle. So I hope it works. I really do. I, I will always have The Dark Knight as, for my money, the greatest Batman film of all time. Uh, I didn't think it would be, but I walked into that theater with zero expectations, too. And that's what I got was Heath Ledger. And I'll be forever grateful to that film because it was fantastic. So I don't really have a whole lot of expectations. I wish it well. I hope it doesn't suck. 
Um, sounds like they're on the right road to making a, a neat story. So, yep, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Okay, our final question comes to us from Matthew. Uh, hey guys, the wife and I are going to be trekking down to Ian's neck of the woods on the Gulf Coast here in the next few weeks on vacation, and we're both beer nuts. Any recommendations on some local brews we should try while we're around your region? Uh, yeah, obviously we had Tim Whaler on here from History Class Brewing in Panama City. If you're going to be in this area, in the Bay County area, you've got to go to History Class. Great, great place. Great atmosphere. They have food trucks around so you can get food. They've got live music. They've got events. Just a really, really cool place that, it, you know, every, every time you go to a new town, right? You hope to find that place that's kind of of that town, of that community, of that people, of that culture. That's very much what history class is and, and has become the Panama City, which is why I like to show them so much love because they do a great job with that. I was just in there last weekend, actually. So make sure you, you go check that out. Um, other places, there's another one here in town called the Salty Oak Brewery that's really good. Uh, there was a place in Pensacola that we tried when we were in uh, at Pensacon called Five Barrels Brewery that had some really good stuff. I recommend their Checkmate Ale over there. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, if you make it down Santa Rosa, Grayton Beach area, uh, there's obviously 30A Brewery there. The 30A Blonde is absolutely, or Grayton Brewing, I believe it is, uh, makes a 30A Blonde that's really, really a big hit around here, particularly in summertime. So uh, lots of really great coastal beers down here that I would highly recommend that, that you check out. Kevin, you're more adept at the uh, the non-alcoholic space. I know you've tried some of the Bravis stuff and then, you know, some of the, the more mainline Anheuser-Busch stuff in, in the NA section. Uh, what are some tips right. that you've got for folks who may want to go the, the beer without the buzz route? Well, I, you know, I, I've tried a lot of them and and, and I, I keep going back to the to the big ones, you know, the, the Budweiser's version. And, and, you know, maybe it's because they got the money and can really dump, dump the research into it. And maybe that's why it's so good. But it's still still my go-to uh, for non-alcoholic beer because it tastes like a beer. And so when you you know when you get a brat and a beer, or when you're having wings and a beer, I mean it's you don't miss anything. You don't notice the alcohol's not there. So wow, that's an accomplishment. It really is. Uh, I did try some of the Bravis stuff, Matthew. Um, it, for some reason, if you want to go that route, uh, that was also a Tim Whaler recommendation. I enjoyed it. Uh, the loggers that they had were took a little bit of getting used to um, as as a full body beer drinker. It was a little different. Uh, the stouts, though, I thought were really on point. I don't know that you could make a non-alcoholic stout any better than the folks at Bravis. So if you fancy yourself a, uh, a stout drinker, most definitely give that a shot. Uh, so, all right. So thanks to everybody who sent in questions for this week's edition of Podmail. You guys know we always appreciate it. If you did not send any question, but you would like to. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Email us at dudesinhyperspace at gmail.com. You can also catch up with us on social media. We're all on Facebook. We're all on Twitter. Uh, Kevin is on Instagram. I'm kind of segueing off of Instagram. Sorry, guys, but blind people on Instagram, like I've given it my last shot and it just didn't well, didn't go well for me. So, uh, so I'm not on that. You can also follow Shark Flight Media, who is on Instagram and also Facebook and Twitter. Uh, comment on any of our posts. Throw in a hashtag dudes in hyperspace. We'll know what you're talking about. About, and we're happy to answer your questions because we love hearing from you guys. Sorry, right, that's going to take us down to the hour, which means it's time to wave the white flag. White flag. White flag is, of course, that segment where we tell fans what we're looking forward to in the days and weeks ahead. It can be book related stuff, might not be, might be sports related or music related or movie related or cooking related, which in my case, yes. Is happening. Getting a brand new grill tomorrow, baby. We uh, When we moved down to Florida, we lived in what I affectionately refer to as the tuna can, which is a crappy little townhouse in uh, in Lynn Haven for about 
six months. Wasn't going to buy a grill there. Once we got in here, it was already starting to get chilly. Wanted to wait on spring grilling season to roll around so maybe I could catch a deal. It's finally here. So heading out tomorrow to buy myself a brand new four burner grill. Already got some chicken and some marinade. Going to slice up some squash, zucchini, onions, season those bad boys up, do it all on the grill top tomorrow night. And uh, rumor has it, there's also going to be a little bit of bourbon tasting going on with uh, me and a friend over the grill tomorrow night. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, other stuff that's on my radar, looking forward to reading some different books. Uh, on Kevin's uh, suggestion, I just started playing for pizza from John Grisham, which has been a lot of fun to read so far. Um, also kind of digging back into the Wayback Machine for me, into some of the old Lucas Davenport stuff from John Sanford. The Prey series is really good. And it was recently brought to my attention that Don Felder, uh, lead guitarist for the Eagles, has got an autobiography. So I just grabbed that as well. And then finally on tap for me, uh, Netflix series Drive to Survive, which chronicles Formula One, returns on March 11th. And for those who know anything about F1 racing last year, kind of an interesting year, especially the way that it ended. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they chronicle all that on Drive to Survive, which is just a fantastic freaking show. Uh, I always admired F1 and what it was, but I never really considered myself a fan. Crazy good show, guys. It will get you hooked, so go check it out. Kev, what's on your radar, man? What you looking forward to in the next few days and weeks? Well, you know, I, I just uh, I just did a con up in Nashville. Uh, well, beside Nashville, Lebanon. And so driving back and forth, I found some of the good channels, good radio stations up around that area, playing the old stuff, playing the new stuff. And I want to tell you, you know, Ronnie Dunn of Brooks and Dunn has a new single that just came out. And it's broken neon hearts. Oh, and listen, wow. that thing is that thing is straight. Nineteen ninety two. You got the steel guitar. You got the sound. Just ah, oh, so good, so good. And then and then I dig into it a little bit deeper, and I find out Tom Perkins, you know, co wrote that. And I've written some stuff with Tom Perkins back and forth in Nashville when I wrote. Uh, so and he's a really good guy, and he can write. And awesome. uh, that, that's just an outstanding tune. And the other thing I'm looking forward to on the music front is in April. I'm going to make that two and a half hour trip up to. Uh, up in the North Carolina. I want to say it's in Wilmington. I got to make sure. But Molly Hatchett is playing, and that's as close as you're going <laughs> to be to And I'm going to go see Molly Hatchett. The flooding with disaster. Oh, oh yeah. 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 There's a get in the bushes. Lord, he's calling my name. I'm going. There may be a mullet appearance at Fantasite, guys. I'm uh, just saying. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. It's two and a half hours. It's Molly Hatchett. I'm going. Awesome. I'm, I'm going. Awesome. So. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, folks, we appreciate you guys as always for joining along on this little thing we call the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. If you want to know more about us, it's very easy to do. Go to sharkflight.com slash dudes. You can find everything from our platforms that we're on to stuff about Rob, Kevin, and I. Also want to say thanks again to Joe DeLeon for coming on. Go check out his stuff with the NFL Draft Prots, uh, Prospects podcast and the FCS football podcast. Thanks to Chris Kennedy Publishing for sponsoring the show. As always, if you like like it leave us some reviews folks five stars are much appreciated it helps to boost us up through the rankings wherever you're at if it's apple Podcasts, spotify even on youtube and we may be expanding our video options here sometime soon so stay tuned for that we just appreciate the love and it helps folks find us so on behalf of kevin steverson on behalf of rob howell who will be back next time i am ej malone and we will catch you on the flippy floppy dudes in hyperspace podcast see ya